so we may be popping up a tent out the back. Who knows what God's going to do, amen? Thank you, Cecil, so much. All right, we're going to get into this this morning. Um, I just want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to have such a wonderful celebration at 6 o'clock, lifting up Jesus and just so many awesome after-party after things, so come on out, amen? All right, we're going to get into part two of Ridiculous Faith. God has really put it in my spirit to challenge us and charge us to extend our faith and believe God for some ridiculous things this coming year. As I took over uh, pastoring in 2018, the word the Lord gave me in 2018 was our church was going to have movements of momentum. We're going to have moments of momentum. And for those of you who were here in 2018, you saw that to be true. It was like we just caught this wave of God doing something very special. And in 2019, the Lord gave me a word. It's the year of preparation. And this has been a year where God has been growing us up. He's been maturing us. God taking us from maybe an emotional relationship, which is wonderful, with God into a mature relationship with him, learning to enjoy the mountaintops and walk through the valleys with God. And I think 2019 has been a year of shaking for a lot of people. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because God wants to get rid of all that junk that we've experienced in the past to get us ready for 2020, which the word the Lord gave me for 2020 is the year of miracles. And I truly believe this with all of my heart that ridiculous miracles are going to come and visit our lives in 2020. And just the two testimonies, I think, or one testimony Pastor Paul shared of a, a woman being healed of cancer in the blood. I mean, that is a ridiculous miracle. That doesn't make sense. That is God, amen? We don't want to get so customary to hearing about miracles that we don't grasp the power of what really took place. I said in first service, if that was my mom healed of cancer, you'd see me running around this church because it affects me. That miracle affected me. So it's easy to applaud someone else. Oh, that was wonderful. But when it's your heart and your emotions and your life, you're going to run for Jesus and you're going to run pretty loud. Amen. And I don't believe this is going to be little pockets of miracles. God is showing up in miracles. And God wants to get us heart, our hearts expected. We had another woman we've been praying for. Sherry Gray, uh, Sherry's best friend was diagnosed with cancer. I got noticed today, completely healed of cancer. Another healing. We have another uh, man in our church who has been estranged from his daughter since she was just four or five. She's now in her 20s, reunited by the grace of God. These are the things that God wants to do, amen? God wants us, not just little pockets, every one of us to experience the ridiculous God that we serve, amen? He's the great I am. He's the alpha and the omega. And I just want to prophesy into 2020, it is going to be a prophetic year of miracles at our church and in North Phoenix, and I believe the church of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to do is we're entering into 2020, January 2nd, our church goes into our annual 21-day prayer and fasting. And I want to highly encourage everybody to get involved Maybe just a small port portion, or maybe you've been doing this for a few years and you're used to it, but we take 21 days to fast something that we maybe really enjoy. It, it needs to be food. Biblically, it's food. We can fast social media. None of that's going to hurt us anyway, amen? But this is something that hurts the flesh. You feel it, you know? And take that time and pray. Take that time and get in the word of God. It's a replacing. It's just not, not food or whatever. It's about taking that time and saying, I'm going to spend time with the Lord in the word and worship. And getting your journals right now and begin to write down the things you're desiring from the Lord in 2020. I believe God is going to meet you at your faith. And I spoke with our team this morning 
in my office and I said, you know what? We are going to expand our tech post so wide because I believe whatever you expand to, God will fill it. So I don't want you just to expand a little. I want us to put our faith out there, almost where you're embarrassed to put it on paper. What do you want from God? Is there a relationship that needs to be restored, a marriage, um, financial breakthrough, whatever it is you need in your life, I want you to believe God for the big things. I'm doing a dream board. I was sharing with them for the first time in church history. I'm doing a dream board for our church, and I'm almost afraid to post it on the wall because now I'm like, oh, God, I hope you answer this prayer. You know how that is that sometimes you get your face so out there that you just go, man, only God could do that. But you know what? That's the kind of faith God wants. He doesn't want the kind of faith that you can do that maybe is just a little bitty faith. God wants to meet a God-sized miracle in our lives. Amen. So I'm going big this year. I figure, what do I got to lose, right? And the will of God will be performed. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing if you're married. Maybe take a night and just say, we're going to pray together and get our journals out. And what do we want as a ma- in our marriage? What do we want in our, as our children, as we're raising our children? What do I want for my family? How can I serve in the church? How can we give to the church? How can we rearrange our life to posture ourselves in this position to have what God wants in 2020? Because we have to be in the position for God to bless us, amen? So today, we're going to be starting uh, part two. Two weeks ago, I started Ridiculous Faith, and you can jump online and listen to the podcast. But week one, I talked about burning our plows. We're studying Elisha, and Elisha burned the plow, and he, he ate his, um, his cattle because there was no going back. And so as we leave 2019, burn the plow. Forget about what was bad about 2019. Forget the mistakes. Forget about the hardship. None of it matters anyway. It's time to burn it, amen? Anything that's holding us back from God, let's burn it. Any unforgiveness, let's get forgiveness flowing, amen? Let's get grace and mercy in our life. We have to burn the plow. And today, I'm going to encourage you on part two, and it's called Digging Ditches. Digging Ditches. And I believe as I'm sharing this message this morning that that's what many of you have been doing this year. It's been a walk of faith. It's been like you've been digging that ditch and you've been trusting God. You've been digging and you're faithful and maybe you've gotten tired and maybe you've been frustrated and maybe you've been burnt. Maybe there's a lot of things going on, but you continue to dig your ditch. And what I have to prophesy to you is get ready because God is about to reign in your ditch. God reigns on our faithfulness, amen? He blesses us in our faithfulness this morning. And so this is where the teaching is going to go, and I know it's going to encourage you today, but we're studying in 2 Kings, Elisha, and in this portion of the story, there was three kings who came together, and they decided they were going to go against their enemy, against King Moab. And they wanted, Moab had brought destruction, and they said, we want to go destroy the Moabites and get back everything they stole from us. And if you think about three kings, there's three kings who come together, their countries, their resources, their army, their ammunition, or whatever it was back then, their bow and arrows or whatever. Three nations come together against one nation. Who do you think is going to win? You know it's a trick question, don't you? You guys are quiet. In the natural, the three more powerful kings should be having victory. But what you find out in this story is that they're not. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. You should not be in a position where you don't have victory and you don't understand it. But I'm here to encourage you today, you actually do have the victory if you remain steadfast and you don't grow weary. So let's look at 2 Kings, verses 3 through 9. 
And it says this. My first point this morning is this. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. It becomes a blessing when the only way it can happen in your life is only if God can do it. And that's when you stand back and when God does it, and when that miracle happens, you just stand back and go, my God is a great big God. My God is a good God because there's no way what just happened in my life should happen in any other reason but God, amen? And God wants to be there in that blessings, but God wants you to depend on him. So in 2 Kings, it says this, so the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Now, I want to stop there really quick this morning and talk about those three kings. These are the three kings who got a word from God to go take over the Moabites, the enemy. And as I studied these, this scripture, I thought, well, I wonder what those three kings represent. And the king of Israel, Israel represents the name this, God prevails. Now, if you take notes, write it down. If you got your phone or if you're going to just plant it deep into your heart. The first assignment against the enemy, God brought three kings together. One was the king of God prevails. See, what's overtaking the enemy in your life is not you. It's God prevails, is chasing the enemy. God of victory. The second one is the king of Judah, which means praise. And the way that you find your victory, the way that you get closer to your victory is what? Putting your praise on giving worship and glory to God, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit later. And the third one was the king of Edom. And Edom, I studied it out, is actually the name Esau, which is what? He was the twin, which was the double-fold blessing. Now, the first week we learned about um, Elisha was holding the reins of the double-fold blessing. And we find that again in this story that when God said, I'm going to have a ridiculous miracle that doesn't make sense happen in your life, I'm going to send three things with you. I'm with you, the God that prevails. Your worship, my worship is going to be with you, and I'm going to give you a double fold of what the enemy stole in your life. See, when you're going against your enemy, you're not going in your own might. That ridiculous miracle cannot happen by you but God. We serve a God of victory, amen? And that's why we can sit back and we can praise him and we can shout and I can have the joy of the Lord knowing that God is fighting on my behalf. When you have ridiculous faith, you can have peace and rest and trust and know that even though it don't look like there's a miracle, I know that on the back end, God is taking care of it for me. See, God is always moving on our behalves. God is always making a way where there seems to be no way. It's only when we grow weary and quit is when the blessings quit in our life. But God is able, amen? So we've got the three kings, and what happens? There's our three kings. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. What happened? They were sent out by God, and there was a drought. They ran out of water. They begin to die of thirst. Their animals were dying of thirst. How many would say they're in trouble? And some of us this morning, we find ourselves feeling in trouble. We're in that desert. We're in that land where we're going, God, where are you? How many ever feel like you just like the children of Israel? You got lost in that wilderness, and you've been around that mountain one too many times. But God is showing up. And so they grew tired and troubled, yet they were on this assignment from God, and they found themselves in a drought. goes on in verse 10. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? 
See, what they thought was going to be easily, possibly they felt they were going to be destroyed by now. They thought it was going to be an easy victory, yet they found themselves in a position they may die. And they're wondering, God, where are you? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Saphath, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Where did they find themselves here? They decided, we're in trouble. We got to find somebody who can give us a word from God. Has anybody ever done that? I got to get to church on Sunday because it's crazy in my life right now. I know who I need to call on my fast dial because things aren't good right now. I need somebody to give me a word from God. And that's what they said. We don't know why we're here. We don't know if we're going to get out of this. Is there somebody who can give us a word from God? And you know what they said? Yeah, we heard about Elisha. Now, at this point, Elisha had had a reputation. He'd already done three incredible miracles. But if you look at the, the mentor of Elisha was who? Elijah. And right before this, in 1 Kings, Elijah had the greatest miracle of ending the drought that the nation has ever seen. He pronounced a three and a half year drought. And then all of a sudden, God gave Elijah a word, not Elisha, but Elijah, his mentor, gave him a word. And what did he say? The Lord says, I I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There had been no rain for three and a half years, but he heard the sound of the abundance of rain. See, before anything happens, you have to discern the sound of the Holy Spirit. What is God saying in this coming year? Is it going to be a drought? Is it going to be another year where I'm going to crawl through glass and stone? Or is it going to be the year of an abundance of rain? Am I going to put my faith out there and say, this is going to come to an end? I'm not going around this merry-go-round one more time. I'm not going to have defeat one more time. I'm going to step into what God has for me in my life. Which is what? Abundantly, exceedingly, abundantly above all we could think, dream, or imagine. Let's quit living in this lower life and let's live the abundant faith life God has called us to walk into. Amen? You guys got me excited. I forgot where I was at. Oh, yeah, the story. Abundance of rain. Thank you, Jesus. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Do you hear what the Holy Spirit's saying? Get excited, get ready, burn 2019. Who cares? Burn it with fire and receive the Holy Ghost fire in this coming year. And he said, he told his servant, he goes, go tell the king to eat, drink, and be merry, for God says it's about to rain. And what did you find? What do you find Elijah's posture? He went up to the mountaintop with the word from God, and what did he do? He put his head between his knees. Now that's a man who heard from God. And then said, oh, God, please show up, because I just told the king, who can slit my throat, that it's about to rain. But he postured himself in prayer, and he believed what God said, even though he didn't see a cloud in the sky. And what did he tell his servant? Go, go, you go look. I ain't even, I don't got time anymore. You go look. That servant came back, I don't see nothing. How many of us have been there? I believe God, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see no breakthrough. It's still desert. It's still dry. It's still empty, and there's nothing. And what did the, what did the prophet say? Go look again. Go look again. 
Go look again. I don't care how many disappointments you've had in 2019. Go look one more time. Get the faith up. Get your encouragement up. Get your joy up. And say, I'm going to go look and see what God has to say, not what my circumstances says in my life. And what happened on that last journey out? He come running back. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. All he had to do was just see a cloud. He imagine way up of a, a, a fist, how tiny that cloud must have been. He's like, but I see it. See, all God is looking for is your faith. He's not looking for a lot of it. He's just saying, step out by faith. Step out and trust me in this season. I will bring the rain that you need in your life. And how many know the abundance of the rain came? And so this is the man that they pulled on. This is the man that they said, we need Elisha to give us a word from God. If if God told Elijah, it's about to rain in the sound, he's going to give us the same word, amen? But let's find out what happened. In verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you involve me? Go to the prophets of your fathers and the prophets of your mothers. No, the king of Israel answered, Because, no, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. See, even though Elisha was like, you go away, I have nothing to do with you, what happened? The faith of God said no. The God that delivers said no, I'm on an assignment. The God of praise said no, I'm going to praise him anyway. The God of the double fold says I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to discourage me. I've come to you right here and right now, and I need a word from God. See, God's faith, God's word will never stop seeking that miracle in your life. It'll never go backwards. God's word will always seek to fulfill itself. We get discouraged and go backwards, but God's word, that delivering anointing will always drive you to that place of freedom. No matter what obstacle, you never back down. He said, we're not going anywhere. Verse 14, Elijah said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I did not have respect. I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. I, oh, excuse me. If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay attention to any of you. So what did he say in verse 15? I love this. Even though he was so frustrated and kind of arrogant almost, if you study his history, but verse 15 says, me now a harpist. What did he call on? He knew that he had to hear from God. And how did he do that? By bringing in worship into his life. See, you're walking in the desert and you're frustrated and you're going through a lot and there's been disappointments and there's been a lot we've been carrying into this year. You have to call on the worship of God in your life. As we enter this 21-day fast, that's why I'm saying take five or 10 minutes Put on your worship CD and begin to worship God. Allow your home to be saturated with the presence of God. You can be all flesh in your home and have all spirit dwelling there. Your home should be a home of worship. I'll leave my house and I'll leave worship on. I'll leave my house, I'll leave warfare prayer on sometimes. Why? Because it's setting that atmosphere. I'll walk into that home where the presence of the Lord is already dwelling in my house. Let this be a year of worship. Get rid of all the distractions because in this desert, you have to be surrounded by the presence of God because the worship of God will bring your marriage together. The worship of God will bring your family together. The worship of God will bring the favor of God into your life when you are surrounded by worship. Plus, it gives you ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. 
What is God saying? I don't want to go into this year with the same word from last year. I need the new fresh oil of God. I need his presence fresh and anew, amen? I am stretching my tent posts out in my personal life and this church's life. I'm believing God for amazing things, amen? So let's take time to let worship come into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so finally, the presence of God shows up. The harvest is playing. Can you imagine what that moment must have been? those thirsty kings and their troops, and they thought, probably, surely, we're going to get a word from God. I feel God's presence. Here's a God's word, and no word of encouragement came. There was no word of hope. There was no promises of anything. Let me share with you the word that came from God through Elisha. Verse 15, then it happened when the musicians played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, Elisha, and he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. What? We are hot. I'm tired. I hate everyone around me right now. I'm thirsty. It's pretty ugly. All I want is a word from God that's going to rain, and you want me to tell my troops to go out and dig ditches in this hot desert land? See, God will send the rain. God's the miracle maker, but he's the one that wants us to step out by faith and dig the ditch. So we want to sit back on the other side. Oh, God, give me my breakthrough. Oh, God, do this. And that's wonderful, but that's not faith. Faith is in action. Faith steps out and does the ugly when you have to do the ugly. Amen? Digging that ditch is ugly. Being faithful to church is ugly when you don't want to be. Continuing to serve, continuing to give, all those things, still trusting God. I'm digging and I'm tired. I'm digging and I'm frustrated. I'm digging and I want to give up. I'm dirty. I'm hot. I have nothing left to give. I've been through some trials, and I woke up and said, I have nothing left to give God, nothing, I'm done. And then by noon, I'm digging a little deep. Well, I got a little bit more in me. I just start praying in the Holy Spirit. I start encouraging myself in the Lord. I start digging that ditch. Why? Because I'm expecting the God who said it will rain, it will rain. And I will keep digging my ditch until it rains. I'm not going to quit digging, amen. This year is almost over with. God is about to move in a supernatural way, and I'm just going to keep on digging. Why? The more I dig, the more he has room to fill. The more he has room to fill. He said, go dig a ditch. (laughs) Right? I want to hear that it's raining, God. I want to hear I can take my shoes off and run through the puddles and splash and have joy. And you want me to go a little further? There was no sign of rain. He's thinking, it doesn't even look like it's going to rain, and you still want me to dig a ditch? There's no cloud in the sky, and you still want me to dig a ditch? How many's ever been there? Right, we're digging ditches, and we don't even know, God, where are you? But we serve the God that says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. We serve a God who never leaves us or forsakes us. We serve a God who is the yes and amen, and it may not be what we can see, but it's what he says. And it's in that valley experience that we keep trusting God to his word. I've seen in my life, and you have too, that many churches or people have had suddenly moments. You ever see somebody's life and all of a sudden they're like bursting with blessings? And you're like, whatever. <laughs> you all know you feel the same way I do. You're like, heart, oh, praise the Lord. You know, really, your heart is like, Whatever. <laughs> 
And there's this incredible church we talked about two years ago that this ridiculous faith, they stepped out and they bought that stadium for Christ. And remember, we were all celebrating and it was so awesome. I just read this morning an article or video. They, over the last month or so, have given $1.2 million away to their community. They have paid off people's houses. They have bought cars for single mothers. They have paid off debt for people. $1.2 million. I'm like, God, I'm so jealous. I would love for faith builders to give away $1.2 million. My heart is to put water wells in other nations, plant up churches in other nations, bring in the orphans, whatever. I want to do something for God, amen? So I'm looking at all their, like, oh, this moment they bought the stadium and they've got all this money and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't see them digging the ditches. It's easy to rejoice to see all the suddenlies, but we didn't see the midnight hour. We didn't see the sacrifices. We didn't see the people that left and betrayed them. We didn't see maybe 12 people sitting there while he's preaching a vision. We didn't see the ditches. So don't look at somebody suddenly and go, well, God isn't there for me. No, he's there for you. Keep digging. Keep digging. Keep digging. The only time it quits is when you put down the shovel. It's when you quit and you get offended and you throw it away. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of it. Well, join the tired club. <laughs> Drink the Jesus juice. He gives you all the energy you could need. Amen? Step out by faith. Receive what God has. Now, let's look at verse 17. For this is what the Lord says. You're going to dig a ditch, and guess what? You will see neither wind nor rain, but you're going to dig anyway. My mom used to say this, annoyed me when I was a kid. There's going to be work, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> Ooh, we get so mad. There's going to be work. We're stopping on the stairs or whatever. That's what I felt like they might have felt at this moment. Really, God? You want me to do that, and I don't even get any benefit from it? Right? That's how we feel when we're walking by faith. Yet, if you go on verse 17, this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. See, you're digging, but you don't know what God is doing. You're digging and being faithful, and God is about to send the rain. And he's saying, do you think this is difficult for God? What you're asking seems difficult to you, but to my God, it is nothing. God can snap his finger, and he could flood the earth again if he wanted to. See, when God is ready to perform his miracles, he will do it. But first, he's asking us to dig the ditch. Does God need us to dig the ditch? No. But he wants us to step out by faith. Why? Because faith moves the hand of God. Me sitting back and wishing, even though it's the word, does not move God. Faith moves the hand of God. Faith that works. You want a faith that works is a faith that does something. Do something this year. Take a step towards faith in that miracle you want from God. Number one, only God can send the water. God is the miracle maker, but sometimes he wants you to dig the ditch. So while you're digging, God is performing the miracle. While you're digging, trust the Lord. James 2.26 says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith without good works. See, you cannot have faith working unless you're working it. Having a desire is not enough, amen? We have to be willing to work it. God is saying here, show me your faith 
Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me your faith. Step out and trust me. Step out and believe me for something big. Remember the widow who fed the prophet? And and he said, give me your last meal. What? No, I'm going to feed my son. We're going to have a going away party because this is the last of it. He said, can you trust God? Feed me. And then go get the the vases, jars. Go get the jars. Go get the jars. And you know what? She ran out of jars because her faith was only so big. I don't want to run out of jars this year. I want to have so many jars. I want to have so many miracles. I want to believe God's so big this year that God's like, I got to go to 949. They're believing God for more. That church has gotten piggy for Jesus. They're crying out for miracle signs and wonders. I want to fill up their jars this year. Amen. I don't want to run out. Believe God. God loves to see our faith in action. You look at Peter on the boat. Jesus was out walking on the water, and what did, Peter, what did um, Jesus say to Peter? Come. All the other guys maybe had faith, but only one got out of the boat and put it into action. Only one got out and saw the miracle of God by walking on the water. See, faith is not enough. Faith is in action. Who else do we have? Um, I forgot where I'm at, y'all. I know I had the story of the withered man. Here we go. The, the, the withered man, his hand was all withered. And, and drawn in, and, and Jesus just could have walked up and touched his hand and see, be, say, be healed. But what did Jesus say? Stretch forth your hand. He wanted his faith to be activated in the miracle. I see you, Jesus. I've heard about you, Jesus. Now reach out for me. Do you really believe I can perform that miracle? And you know what? That's vulnerable. That's insecure. Because what if I reach out and it doesn't work? What if I trust God and it doesn't come to pass? Listen, it's scary. But God's saying, put your faith out there. And guess what? Every miracle that he said, do this, they did it, and they were healed. Every one of them. The lame man on the side of the road, he didn't have compassion. Oh, you're lame. I'm sorry. Let me pick you up. He said, no, pick up your mat and walk. You do something. You put your faith in action. And that guy went, okay. Nobody's ever told me that before. (laughs) I've been begging this whole time. Nobody told me I could pick up my own mat and walk, right? What about the blind man? Jesus walked up to the blind man. Jesus could have said, be healed. And he didn't. He took the dirt, spit in it, made mud pies, put it on his eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of shalom. Go, go. put your faith in action. He didn't have to do that. But he said, I want to see your faith. And when I see your faith, I'll meet you there. We've got to do something. This year, what miracle are you believing God for? Write it down and then say, these are the steps. I'm going to take by faith until God shows up in the miracle. If you need a better marriage, what can you do in that marriage to be better yourself? What books? What prayer partner? What encouragement can you give that helpmate? Somebody's got to break in that process, right? One's got to encourage, one's got to forgive. What can you do on your part? And it may bend you, but what can you do to say, here's my step of faith, God? And I'm going to believe you to restore my marriage. What about your children? Maybe your children, you want them to raise up. I have so many people have come to me. I want my kids to love God like you love God and serve God like you serve God. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's awesome. But did you see the ditches my mom dug to get me here? Did you see the Sundays they dragged our butt to church kicking and screaming and everybody was crazy until we got here and then Jesus showed up, right? Dragging your kids to church all the time is not easy. 
I think the worst days are on Sundays. It's like there's a fight demon on Sunday. Everybody gets fighting and ugly on Sunday. Right? You saw that she, my parents dug that ditch. We're going to church. We're going to show up early and 50 degree below zero, and we're going to start that school bus. And we're going to wait till the, the thaw comes off the windows, and we're going to go into the city, and we're going to pick up 50 kids on that bus, and we're going to bring them to Sunday school so these kids can hear about Jesus. And then we're going to do all again after church, not eat. I'm going to load my family up on a bus, and we're going to take all those babies back home, and then we're going to drag you back to the church, and we're going to drop that bus off. Then we're going to take my family home and feed you dinner. See, that's raising your children up. You want them to serve God. you got to show them God, you got to show, we did devotionals in our home. Will you take time to do devotionals with your babies? Teach them how to pray. If you've got grandchildren, pray with, teach them to lay hands on the sick. My brother and I were praying over my parents so we could say words, just Jesus. Why? Because my parents believed in the power of demonstrating the power of God to the children. So if you want children to serve God, what steps can you take this year? Don't just stand back and believe for a miracle. Put your faith in action. You want better finances. And honestly, this is the hardest topic as a pastor to speak on is money because my heart is as pure as gold, as is our covering, my mom and dad. It's not about we want your money. We need resources to reach the world for Jesus. We need our barns full so that we want to buy Bibles. I don't have to come and beg. We can go ship Bibles and testify what the church did. If we fill an opening to go into a country and put water wells for one whole city, dig enough wells for one that city, but one little uh, not tribe, village, to have water for those moms and babies. And we don't have to come to the church. Can we raise money? No, let's write the check. $100,000, let's send missionaries and give those people water, and we can testify. That's the warehouse of the church. That's what God's called us to do. So if you want to be blessed in your finances, get a revelation of tithing. It's a revelation. I'm telling you, I was raised in this stuff, so I just did it because I was raised in it. But I didn't get a revelation until I was in my mid-20s. I didn't get this aha moment of, man, when I give to God, the windows of heaven open up over my life. And there's such a blessing that I just didn't understand until I caught the revelation of giving. Taking care of God's house, it's not about money. It's about funding the kingdom of God. That's why that church could go and bless $1.2 million. And that's their overflow. Do you know how awesome that is? That's what kingdoms, not getting fancy cars and all the abuse that we've seen in the past. But you want to be blessed? You've got to open up the windows of heaven. Get that revelation of tithing, right? Give God the first and the best, and he'll bless the rest. Amen? Because that's the God we serve. But pray for that revelation. Don't just say it because I'm, don't just do it because I'm saying it. Ask the Holy Spirit in this year. I need a revelation of tithing, of giving to the kingdom. Because when our barns start to empty out, guess what? We can't reach the city. We can't reach the lost. We can't do what God's called us to do if our barns are not full, right? And you're giving church, so there's no complaints, but continue to get that revelation, amen? What part can you do in what God's called you to do in this year? Number one, only God can send the rain, but sometimes we have to dig the ditch. Number two, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. So we've got some big faith coming into this year. I actually had 2020's vision at the beginning of 2019. And I, I went to the team about the structure I wanted, some things I wanted in the church, already knowing that by 2020, we have to set it in place so that we can handle the growth that the church is about to have again. 
And if we wouldn't have planned little all year long of 2019, which you don't even know, it's all behind the scenes, structures and leadership, putting people in place, all this vision the Lord gave me, if we didn't start little, we could never maintain the big that's coming in 2020. Start somewhere. If you want to get your health together, say, I'm going to walk five minutes. Just five minutes. Don't worry, I had to throw in the towel, get my gym membership, and eat all the healthy stuff Pastor Paul talks about. And No, baby steps. You can't get there overnight unless it's life-threatening like you just made a, a decision, and that's awesome. That's not always the case. Start with eliminating sodas. Boom. That's a, you just dug a ditch. It's a step of faith. I'm trusting you to renew my strength, God, but I'm going to get rid of soda. You know, those are natural things. I'm going to, maybe then I'm going to get rid of fast food. No, I've just eliminated, okay, I'm walking now. By, by March 1st, I'm walking. I have no fast food and no soda in my body. I'm already feeling good. And all of a sudden, God meets you right at your step of faith, and healing flows through your body that you've been believing God for years, but because you took a step of action. Now God shows up to meet you where you're at, amen? Because God is the mirror. He's the rainmaker. We have to be willing to dig our ditch, right? The size of your dream needs to be intimidating to you. Let it be intimidating to you because it is a joy to God. It is nothing to the Lord when it's intimidating to you, amen? One shovel at a time, guys, going into 2020. Don't worry about the big. Where can you start small? Zechariah 4.10, I love this translation, and I'm closing with this. I love this translation. It's the NLT do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work finished. Begin. When does the Lord rejoice? When you start. We think it's the end of the story, and God's like, no, I'm rejoicing by you taking that one little shovel and digging that ditch, trusting me just a little while longer, being faithful just a little while longer, because God knows the end will be the blessings of God, amen? But he said, I rejoice when you begin. When I was a youth pastor in my dad's church in Beloit, Wisconsin, um, we had a real move of God at, at our church there. And um, in the, it was in the middle of a cornfield. My dad apostled it, tore it up in the spirit, planted this incredible church, and he had a heart for the youth ministry. And so he said, I'm gonna give up my Wednesday nights and I'm gonna go and birth the youth church. And... Uh, Geez, within a week or two, it became mine. <laughs> it was all God, though. And um, that youth ministry blew up. I mean, we had like 300 teenagers easily in a night. And I'm not talking just church kids. I'm talking about street kids, drugs, alcohol, drug dealers, coming, getting born again, spirit-filled. It was all wonderful. It was something great to shout about. And it really was awesome. But I remember standing in the back of our youth church, and uh, we had bleachers, we had a state-of-the-art area, I mean, it was a facility. And it was popping, and my flesh as a pastor was like, man, this is awesome. You know, we got the lights and the band and the kids, and, uh, and it was just like something to really feel good about. But I heard the Lord say to me, he said, are you giving them what they need to serve me five and ten years from now? Or are you just making them feel good? And the Lord troubled me. It's not about how fast things are. It's about the quality. It's about the step. And that was awesome. And it was great. And these kids got born again. But they needed so much more than just the born again experience. And because it happened so fast, we couldn't give them the tools necessary. 
So I asked the Lord, I said, God, if you have to take this ministry down to 12 kids. Later, I was like, why did I say like 25? Because it went down to 12 kids. We had the first youth church split, I think, in history. But God did it. Not because he didn't love those kids. It's because we had to go back to maintaining what God could give us. And we went to the raw. We discipled street ministry. We evangelized them, went out to the streets. These kids, we gave away Mountain Dew and bags of chips in the city. We put on like a dumb skit with lights. I don't know if you guys remember that. And a, a skit. We drew thousands of teenagers from all over. And uh, these kids went out and started sharing the gospel one by one, winning people to Jesus. We went back to the, the discipleship. And we did missions trips. And we did youth, that youth ministry grew again. But it grew in the size that we could maintain the character of it. So God isn't always about let's go big or go home. No, God's in the what can you be faithful in right now? And he's okay with that. What can you grow up in right now? What can you lay aside in 2020 that has been a bondage? We want to give that to God this year. That's the stuff God is looking for. And when you go into the year, just simply dig in the ditch. I'm telling you, by the end of the year, you will be at a different place in your walk with God, your marriage, marriages that are going to happen, children, whatever it is, will have the hand of the Lord on it. Amen we're surrendering to Christ. So let me close with what happened in 2 Kings 3.20. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. And if you look at Edom, remember what Edom means? Esau. And what did Esau represent? Double fold. The land was flowing with double fold blessings. And that's what I believe we're walking into 2020. This church will have the double-fold blessings, signs, wonders, and miracles. The harvest is ripe. We're going to go get them this year. We're going to do something amazing. We're going to build this church on the rock of Jesus Christ. We're going to build this church with old school, winning people to Jesus, seeing them set free from bondages and addictions. Amen. That's what God has called this church to do. And God's going to bless your lives and your families because you're partnering. You're partnering in your finances. You're partnering in your serving. You're partnering in your faithfulness. And we all come together. What a great big work God can do. Amen. For his kingdom and the overflow into your family is just natural. God says, if you take care of my house, I'll take care of yours. So it'll be a natural flow as let's commit to the kingdom this year. Amen. Let's commit to kingdom purposes and watch and see what the Lord's going to do. Or already has done, but we're going to reach in and receive it. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, come on back. We're going to have a wonderful time. Candlelight service is my second favorite thing we do in the church. Children's ministry is my first, and then candlelight's my second. But let me close in this prayer. If you need Jesus in your heart today, now is the perfect time to surrender your life to Jesus. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, this morning, if you said that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, whether you're coming back to Jesus or for the first time, there's a card in the chair in front of you. Pull it out. It says, I choose. Take a few minutes to fill it out. Bring it to our altar workers here. We want to bless you with the Bible, but we also want to give you more information on your walk with Jesus. It's more than saying a prayer. Amen.
There's a walk with Christ. So otherwise, I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Merry Christmas, and we will see you tonight.